right, welcome along to the RT Soccer Podcast. Raf Giallo here, joined today by Johnny McDonald and Graham Gartland. And you can watch or listen to this podcast on RT.ie, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be talking League of Ireland shortly and also be reflecting on the Champions League and Premier League later on. But uh, we're going to talk international matters first. But before that, um, I believe, uh, Graham Gartland, you are um, very fascinated by the top that Johnny McDonald is wearing right now. Johnny, what's the big reveal? What is it? I'll just push it in there. It's uh, 1979. It's when the Faroes, Faroe Islands, were formed the association. So it's the Faroe, It's a Faroe Islands training top. Oh, very, oh, very good. good. Very Not good. too many of them in Ireland. I'd say Brian Kerr might have a few, but other than that, <laughs> I don't think there'll be many more. <laughs> Brian brought his own kit man up just to, to raid the place. Oh, no, no, no. He didn't. We had a great kit man up there. And uh, yeah, anyway, you're bringing back memories, but that's for another day. Yeah, and uh, if you were to stick this thing on eBay, like how much would you be uh, be getting? Uh, it depends when they qualify for the Euros or the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we might be waiting a while for that. So, but oh, uh, don't be harsh on them. <laughs> but before we uh, before we talk about the Ireland under 17s who of course bounced back from a heavy five one defeat to Poland last Wednesday with a three 0 victory over Wales on Saturday, let's talk about the Ireland senior squad first. Um, Stephen Kenny named a training squad for who are well they're going to be training in uh, Bristol over four days at Robbins High Performance Centre before they go to Turkey on the 5th of June for nine days and then on to Athens for the qualifier against Greece next month and there's a few names that uh, that stand out I mean of course it's a training squad so James Talbot the Bowes goalkeeper is in Derry City's Brian Maher has also been called up there's Millwall's Danny McNamara has also been, often been talked about as a player that maybe is worthy of a, of a call-up. Sean McLaughlin of Hull City as well is in there. And uh, Tom Cannon, who was scoring plenty uh, on loan at Preston from Everton, is also there. But Graham, Neil Ferugia, um, he was already on a standby list last November and he's included here again. And clearly he's a player <laughs> that Stephen Kenny uh, has a lot of interest in. Yeah, I think Stephen's touched on it before that he likes his um his power, his pace, his probably directness. I think it's his versatility as well. You know, with obviously Coleman's out, he can play left wing back, he can play right wing back. Uh, physically, he's able to do it. Uh, he's over a lot of his injury problems, and I think he fits the bill for what they're trying to do with the with the formation that they're playing. So he defensively he can get back in and help and he and he can defend the back post well as well with with because he's over six foot. And like we said, he can get to the end line, whether it's on his right foot now, which he seems to be working on. He set up a goal on Friday night, which was on his right foot, a cut back for uh, a shot, and then Gaffley taps it in. So um but I think it's probably the fact that he can play right wing back and left wing back and, and he can cover both positions. So you you probably only need to carry him on the bench for that position and you can then load up if you need more midfielders or more strikers then. So, uh, yeah, I think he's, the thing for for Neil is that he's dead injury free and he's had a, he's had a good run of games probably since last summer, this summer. And um, Stephen has spoke of him before, so it's no, uh, it's no surprise to see him named in this training squad. Yeah, and before we touch on the 17s, there was also the news last week that Shane Long is considering retirement. Now, he hasn't actually confirmed that he's going to retire from the game. Obviously, he's at Reading, coming towards the end of his contract, 36, and he suggested that it's at least something he's going to think about now, whether it's time to call time on his career. 
this summer and uh, just perusing some of the reaction online to the comments he made, which was on a, a BBC podcast. And, you know, there are some people who'd love him to come back and maybe do a season or two in the League of Ireland. And it just reminded me of something um, that James McLean said when he was talking to Tony O'Donoghue when he was back to watch Derry City against Shamrock Rovers a few weeks ago. So I might play that clip and then I'll just get your thoughts on um, Johnny on players coming back to the league and I suppose the benefits and sometimes some of the pitfalls and things that are there. But let's just listen to uh, James playing first. You're wearing the Derry City gear, I see. Uh, any chance you'll be back here sometime? Oh, I'll be back here sometime. It's just it's just when. Um, you know, look, I've been quite open about saying, you know, I started my career at Derry, I want to finish my career at Derry. When that'll be, you know, God knows, you know, um, at the minute, you know, it's, it's something I don't want to think about. Uh, you know, it's been a tough season. Okay, so that is James McLean, and that was Brian McBride, Brandywell Stadium, a few weeks ago when he was watching Derry City live, and he does return quite often to watch them. Obviously, it's uh, a club that's very close to his heart, but also uh, in regards to Shane Long, he would have started out at Cork City famously before making a great career for himself at club and international level um, across the other side of the Irish Sea. But in the in terms of the overall sense of players coming back, having either started here in the League of Ireland or, um, you know, are coming would be coming back for the first time, is that something you'd like to see more, um, uh, Johnny? In terms of lads coming back and maybe playing a season or two, or even if it's coming back to have their input in coaching or in other matters. Yeah, well, ju- ju- just what you finished on there, Raf. I think you know, with, with lads coming back, they might bring something back. You know, to a club, and uh, you know, or, or to the league. You know, as you say, going back maybe in technical coaching capacity, but they can't just walk in and, and just become a coach. They've got to go through the whole, jump through all the hoops. To, you know, to get to whatever levels they get to, to become a, a league of Ireland coach or a manager. You can't just come back because you played. You know, in England, you've got to go through all that. James would come back and play for Derry, where he would have a passion and, and a bit of heart for Derry. So it wouldn't be just someone coming back to play for a few bob and just getting out every week. I think one of the, the and Shane also started a car, but you know, it, it's it, it's it's the end of the road for the lads. Like when they went to, to live in England, they were probably single and young and you know not married, and now they're married with children and and, and wife and kids and two dogs and a cat and whatever else. And you know, moving house, uh, you know, are people prepared to move back to Ireland? You know, that's a big move. You know, okay, that could be done over the season where someone is travelling in and out, but all that logistics has to be thought about as well. But the likes of James, I think, you know, coming back where they, they've still a bit about them and they're still obviously involved in the national teams and stuff like that would be a huge benefit to the league, you know, huge benefit to the, the likes of Derry. Shane, obviously, is retired, uh, you know, I think last year he, he kind of threw the, the, the rattler out of the pram over not getting the number nine jersey. It was a bit of a problem about that. Uh, look, if they, if, if they bring something to the league and it benefits the league and it enhances the league, and the profile of the league, I would say absolutely, yeah. If it doesn't, I'd say no. You know, it, come back, yes, in the capacity, bring something, some support structures back to clubs that you might be able to implement in the clubs and bring that back from where you came from, new ideas and whatever else. But if they if they have something to bring back, absolutely. If not, you know, it's over, it's over. Go into your coaching or whatever. 
Yeah, uh, uh, Graham, just as Johnny said there, I mean, family circumstances, of course, because the circumstances in which they, they, you know, they were in when they left this country in some cases is completely different to where they would be at now in terms of life experience and different things and logistically as well. So that's one one element, of course, as well. But like, where do you stand on that as well? If it's, it, do you see it sort of as overly beneficial when the circumstances are right for somebody to, to come back? And I'm not saying Shane Long is going to do that because yeah. there's no indication that he will. And also James McLean, as he said in the clip, it's something he would like to do at some point in the future. But he did play it play it down in the sense of it being anytime soon. I think I think if it increases the spotlight on your club and, and increase sponsorship around that, when the likes of someone like James McLean or Shane Long comes back, Irish internationals, um, and that's the benefit the club. But you have to benefit the team that they're coming into as well. I think the likes of Shane Long coming back to play in Ireland. I think. Any club would go after him. I don't just think it's a, a case that he just goes back to Cork. He's a Tipperary man. So um, I don't think it's a case that he just goes back to Cork. I think there's a, a real lack of maybe centre-forwards jumping out in the, in the league at the moment. Max Mathis, top goal scorer, um, had to play probably second choice to John Kenny last season, at the start of last season, before John made, makes his move to the Celtic. Gaffney gets player of the year, but... I think he scored maybe 12 goals, but a real out-and-out -out striker, Rory Keaton's doing really well at Cork. But he's got. I think coming back, you have to add to it. You know, I, went, I remember coming back in 2012 and I just want, I wanted to play in Tala. I, I had years of playing in the league, but I'd never played in Tala where I was from. So that was one of the things I wanted to do. So um, for me, it was a passion thing. You know, I could have stayed in Scotland and like Johnny said, I went away single and I came back with a, with a Scottish wife who, you know, kept pulling to go back to Scotland at that time. So it, it does change. But I think financially they're okay. I think the financially you'd have enough put away that they can go and pick and choose what they want to do. Um, I think the thing that Shane always had was pace. And I think if he came back to any team in this league, he'd add that to them as well. I think he'd have enough pace to trouble teams. But it, only he knows his own body and when it's time to, to go or when it's time to take a step maybe sideways to play but the league is different now I think it's the pitches are better from probably when Shane played I wouldn't say the stadiums are better but <laughs> from when he left which is a bit of a talking point as well but I think the standard of football is really high I think the teams are trying to play the right way and I don't think it's maybe as taxing on the body as it was probably 15-20 years ago so I think he could come back like and play you kicking them <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but if I could catch him, yeah. Um, but well, like, uh, I think, like I said, I, th I think if they come back and benefit the teams that they're coming into, then it then benefits the league. Yeah, but anyway, whether Shane Long actually plans or wants to do that, it's not really clear. But that was the sentiment, at least in some of the comment sections and things, um, online or on Reddit and different places where you know, and I think it does happen with players. Uh, that have uh, played internationally that they'd like them to or fat some supporters like, would like them to come back Raph, like we, Johnny would have remembered this like I remember Dublin City were trying to stay in the league and Roddy signed a load of like England players that were just flying in to play on a Friday night yeah, Carl, uh, Carl, yeah actually Lewis, I, you but, know Funnily enough, as you say that, I remember interviewing Carlton Palmer about, uh, I think it was five or six years ago about that. And yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was. It's you were one just of those flying into things. play, take yeah. take money out of the, the league, take money out of the club and yeah. gone. And you're like, I'd much rather lads who want to come back and play and, and, and play and are from, not necessarily from Ireland, but want to come here and play and contribute to the league. Like, yeah. So.
But uh, we're going to switch now to the Ireland under 17. So they're in European Championship action. It's all on RTE as well. And uh, as were the first two games, 5-1 defeat to Poland last Wednesday, but then bounced back with a 3-0 win over Wales. And then tomorrow evening, 7 o'clock kickoff Irish time, um, live on the RTE News Channel and also the RTE player, they're going to be playing the hosts Hungary in essentially a winner takes all in terms of progressing to the quarterfinals. And uh, Johnny, you've seen, you know, you've seen some of, you know, the the highlights and the the matches that uh, the Ireland under 17s have played so far. What have you made of it? I suppose stylistically and in terms of the quality that you've seen. Well, you know, looking at them the, the way they're trying to play the game, they're trying to play it properly and right, but. You know, it's a tournament, it's a competition and, uh, you know, generally in, in in your first game in a tournament, you, you need to try and get a result and, you know, get a draw or get a victory. They, they, they got done by Poland 5-1. They bounced back brilliantly with some brilliant football and some fantastic goals, especially the third goal. And, uh, you know, definitely trying to do things right. Uh, the style of play, yes. Uh, Colin has definitely got them. The, the third goal they got played out in the back through the towards into midfield and in into into the uh echo truck group. What a fantastic finish. He, and you know, you see the goal, the strike the way he hit at the inside of his foot. He didn't just put his boot through it, he bent the right into the top corner. I don't think anyone would have saved him, but a brilliant finish. You know, and that would have given them confidence, you know, coming back to, to do Wales. Uh I don't know what the weather's like out there. Would would the heat be a factor for them, you know, in, in against Hungary tomorrow? And uh, I don't know what time the game is at. Is it in the afternoon? Is it in the evening? So that might take effect. But look, it'd be fantastic if they can get a victory and, and if everything goes for them and they can get through to they get through to qualifiers, you know, at any age group. It's just brilliant for the FAI, brilliant for the you know the underage structures, you know, all the good work that's going through, you know, the high performance stuff and the uh, you know, for for them to get through will be fantastic. It's a while since we got through, and uh, you know, getting through into finals. I know we qualified over the last few years in a couple of tournaments, but to get through and into the finals and get into semi finals and finals of tournaments would be unbelievable. But look, let's get through tomorrow night first. Yeah, and Graham, you've worked with a number of these players, uh, the Shamrock Rovers contingent uh, mainly, and there's uh, five of those players: Corey O'Sullivan, Freddie Turley, the captain. Uh, Adi Solanko, uh, Ika Arazi, uh, who scored both against uh, Wales and also against Poland. The the goal against Wales was real quality. And then, of course, Najrazi, who scored against uh, Wales with the, well, missed the penalty and then uh, was on Missed hand. two penalties. Yeah, well, yeah, technically missed two penalties, but obviously it was retaken and then um, he scored the rebound. But uh, can you just tell me about that contingent of the players you've worked with in, in that, at that particular age? Um... To be honest, they're comp- uh, like it's a really good question, Raf, because each um, and I hope I'd hope young players are listening to this because each one of them have had different journeys. Like so, the likes of Naj Razi, who at seven years of age was unbelievable, hard work, very stubborn, wanted to do things his own way. Would would get sulky. You'd have to sit him down sometimes. You know everything. I remember we went to Southampton one time, and because the team wasn't playing well, he. Says to the coach, he was only nine. Says to the coach, I'm playing right back, <laughs> and just took the ball off the keeper and start dribbling and got his team back into the game a little bit. Like had very headstrong, shows a lot of bravery sometimes. <laughs> where you're like, he's not that you're not that good a penalty taker. And he goes, I am. I'll, I'll I'll take the second one again, and he's that's him. He's never short of character. Uh, and then you have Corey O'Sullivan, who when he was under, he signed for us from Lucan. As one of the part as a partnership club, 
signed for us about under 11s. Tony O'Dowd brought him over and was in our second team. Wasn't really that well, was on the edge of it, but kept going. He got he took a growth sport, got a lot of pace about him, kept running and does really well. And then Freddie Tully, we got him in from Joey's. He was playing a year above himself at Joey's. Uh, sorry, yeah, St. Joseph Boys slash Bray. And he came over and plays the sit midfielder, but they use him at the back. And then the two other lads who I'd, I'd know really well is I.K. Orazi, like his, I had him under 14s. Um, different type of player, you know, can be against the ball, can sometimes switch off. So it was about just igniting him all the time and keeping on him to go, just get back into a position to help your team so we can counter-attack. And it was always about what you could do on the ball. Um, and then product was his big thing. He played in the final against Galway where he was really good, but lacked a bit of end product. Um, and you can see that he's added that to his game, but another, just a great kid. And then the young lad is, who's under 15, Ari Solanke, who's on the bench, has just come back from captain in the side to their victory in Italy. Uh, he's got the world at his feet, that kid. Um, excellent, glides over the ground, great temperament, practical awareness is fantastic, but all of them have had different journeys, you know. Some of them have been at the club since the age of seven. Some of them joined 10. Addy joined at nine. IK joined at 10. And then his family moved to the UK and then he came back. And Freddie was probably the one that joined the latest. But they've all ended up playing in the same team in the European Championships. I think what's good about the group is there's three lads who are actually under 16. Caleb Harnett from Wexford is a 16-year-old. Mace Amelia from... Johnny's team, St. Pat's is a 16-year-old. Yeah, and then OK course, is 16. Uh, yeah. And then Adi Solanke yeah. is 15. So it bodes well for the future. And like, I think, um, Collie O'Brien is trying to play the right way. You can see that with the tour goal. There's some of the teams in the in the competition are fantastic. So I know like the likes of Hungary. I think we would have learned a lot from the Poland game going into the Hungary game. And I think we've seen that in terms of how they defend. And... Um, yeah, hopefully that they could put on a good performance against Hungary, get the result and maybe get them through to a, to the knockout phase and see where it goes from there. But it bodes well to have the young, like you said, three lads, four lads who can play in the tournament next year as well if they qualify. Great analysis of the young players coming through. You've seen them. It, it, that bodes brilliant for Shamrock Rovers as a club, you know, regarding the players that come through, you know, the development, you know, the... The compensation phase, like if the players come through the club and, and they end up going to England, which, you know, Graham is really painting a great picture for a few of them there that they might make it away, not only in England, we have young players in Italy at the moment as well. So it's it's a great opportunity. But for financially for the clubs, this is only, you know, it's really good that, you know, the player comes all the way through and uh, Graham can correct me if I'm wrong on that. But if, you know, coming through from seven all the way, you know, the money is there for Shamrock Rovers, all the compensation money and whatever else. The, the money goes back into, you know, the, the academy and the, and the great work that they're doing there. Yeah, yeah from 12 from twelve onwards is the is the cut-off. So once you have them from 12 onwards, you, you, the compensation goes up. And then the higher grade your academy is, so we're at Category 2, say. If you go into Category 1, the compensation goes up again. But to be honest with you, and, and it's something of, that's frustrating for me. See when agents come in and tell them not to sign pro contracts with your football club and tell them stay so that the compensation is low and then we'll work on getting you out. And they do these things that are called like, oh, I'll get you a trial. The player isn't getting that trial. 
the that an agent, somebody like Johnny or somebody like me or somebody who has connections in the game can organise a trial, but the kid hasn't done anything for that. A club hasn't come in and said, I really like him. Can I have a look at him? It's more just, I'm getting you this trial as a favour. And then eventually I say, do you know what? See, before you go on that trial, will you sign this document with me so that now you're with me? I got you a trial to uh, Bayern Leverkusen. And the, the parents and everybody goes, that's great. My son's going to Bayern Leverkusen. The son isn't going off the back of his talent. He's going off the back of an agent promising him that. So we, if you, you're taking control away from the player, you're taking responsibility away from the player himself. And that's an issue where we'd love to have, like, Naj is on a pro deal, Freddie's on a pro deal, Corey's on a pro deal. So now you're talking about serious financial um, rewards for them players and for, for them as players, as people as well. So that's where you can increase their value. And and that's the issue that you have where agents are telling them not to sign with these clubs that put in all this development all the way up to say, Do you know what, wait, and we go away on a compensation deal where I, I'd like to see... The players have more control over what they're doing, understanding that a trial dressed up as an agent promising it isn't all it's cracked up to be. IK, for example, Benfica came in. We really like IK. We'd like to take him. Brings him over. IK's done all that himself. Nobody's been involved in that. It's all been his hard work, his graft. And that way he'll get his rewards for it. But if an agent comes in and says, oh no, we think we can get better here, here and here. You hog him around and he loses value. And that's the issue that sometimes I think parents need to realise that a, a, a trial promised by an agent isn't off the back of your son's talent. It's off the back of your agent having connections in Europe. But that's building up the relationship with the club. And Mizuno, like, like as a past performance like that, he's come through the club and he's it, it was done right and he got his opportunity and he went to Southampton and wherever else. So, yeah. you know, if you have a past performance like that and the parents can see this and they build up that relationship with the club and trust. That's really, really important. Sorry, Ralph, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, Graham, because I know you were part of the Ireland under-17s around 1999 and 2000. And it just in terms of the comparison, you know, you're working with players of that age grade now or coming towards that age grade now. And, you know, the pathways are far different. The structures, the, the different national leagues that have come in. Like, how would you compare it from, say, your own time, 20, 23, 24 years ago? It's funny that you mentioned it because I was talking about a little bit yesterday to my own group of players as we sat down and had a chat afterwards because uh, I was pushing them about their performances. Uh, and I had Sean Dillon, I met Sean Dillon last week, a good friend of mine. So we qualified for the Euros uh, under 16s. I think you might have been around at the time, Johnny Bryan took the team and we beat Wales, we beat Switzerland, and we beat, oh, sorry, yeah, we drew with Wales, we beat Switzerland, we beat Sweden, and we qualified. Uh, the following year, then Sean took my place in the squad and went away. Um, in the he group, went the Euro, yeah, he went yeah, to the, the Euros, yeah. yeah. And I went to World Cup, uh, under twenty World Cups in the uh, yeah. UAE. Yeah, and then yeah. The, the couple of years before that, sorry, in '99, we we they went to the Euros. We qualified for the Euros, and and uh, Sean went instead of me. And but uh, I was the only, I was one of the only home based players in the team at the time. All the rest of the lads were already. In, in England. So Paddy McCarthy was with Man City, Wayne Henderson, Morphy were with Villa, Man City, all the squad, John Daly, Keith Fatty, they were all gone. Everyone was gone. So their education, their football education was already handed over to the UK at this stage. They had done, they had all come through the schoolboy clubs here and then went 
Again, I was probably one of the last to go. Sean was after gone to Aston Villa. Uh, Stephen Kelly was one of the home base players in it, but that's that Christmas he signs for Spurs. Um, so that the the landscape has changed. What also has changed is when I'm sitting talking to the young players, the the pool of players that the UK pick from has changed as well. I know Brexit has changed it that we can't go over to our 18, but for the last 15, 20 years, and Johnny understands when you go and watch the academies in the UK, it's littered with players from all over Europe. It's not it wasn't 20 years ago it was it was Irish, it was UK based, it was Irish, Scottish, English players, and then the foreign players would start coming a little bit later, a couple of Australians thrown in, we had a lot of New Zealanders. But now it's the pick of Europe and the pick of South America and they're all coming because the financial rewards of bringing a young player through at, in your club is ridiculous. Like you see that with Martinelli coming through at Arsenal and stuff like that. So they're getting the pick of Europe. So it's harder for Irish players. You have to be at a really high level to break in. Even at 18, they're going to be looking and thinking, right, how close is he to our first team? Uh, so the landscape has changed. And that's, we were touching on it yesterday with the kids about your performance is being at a high level because it has to, you have to have a level of consistency all the time, consistency of effort more so than even your your skill will come, but because it's harder, it's harder to break in at the top level now because of that worldwide net out there to collect players and collect player data. And, and nobody goes, we'd know the best under 15s players in the country now, 16, 17s, they're known worldwide. And Johnny, will tell you that scouting, it's massively. Like, we, 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 we took a, a group over to Liverpool the last few years of Belvedere for a tournament under 12s and those teams littered from all over Europe at the under 12 tournament so you know Liverpool are looking at all this they're looking at all the players are tagging them at you know 11, 12 years of age you know and seeing the best players uh, you know from that age group all over Europe teams from everywhere as Graham said that you know it's so much so much harder now but th- th- there's always a, a positive side of that Graham as well that yeah. the young players are staying here now and they're getting a brilliant chance to play in this Really, really good competitive league. That's some brilliant football from the young players, and you know that's the plus. I would say that, you know, sometimes, you know, you go to England and they're they're, they're with clubs and they're playing, you know, kind of training games for the want of a better word. Sometimes they're not physical enough. Sometimes they're not competitive enough games. Whereas the young lads are playing here at 17, 16, 17, 18, and they're playing. You know, some of these lads are going off to play in Europe now in the summer. So what yeah. an experience that is for the young players that, you know, don't go away or that can't go away now because of the Brexit, as, as Graham said. But this gives them a brilliant opportunity. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that enhances their 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 their, their, uh, their ability to move on as players. And not only physically, Graham, as, as you were talking about, but mentally as, as, you know, how to be responsible on the pitch, how to take responsibility for your game on the pitch and all that stuff. So I, I think that's the positive side of it as well. Yeah. Sam, Sam Cortis would be the, the biggest example of that. Like, we touched on, you touched on it all fair. Sam against Shamrock Rovers, I thought at times in the game was excellent. Some of the defending he done 1v1 was brilliant, even stepping across people, making blocks. He tries to let a ball run out. It doesn't happen. You score from the set piece and you're, and you're coursing yourself. And you, But that's a massive learning curve for him. And, and full credit to John Daly, keeps him in the team against Shelbourne, he scores the winner. You don't, you're not, yeah, you're not getting that learning. Like that, that'll stay with him. That stay with him because, like, I can remember trying to let a ball run out when I was younger. You know, 
giving away a free kick or a corner, conceding from it and thinking, I'm not doing that again. You know, and you don't get that level of maybe responsibility or even the fact, even the ruthlessness of football that, right, straight away go, I didn't get away with that today. You know, and, and you cost your team points. Ultimately, you know, somebody says something to you because you've cost them a win bonus. You're not getting that under 23s level or, or under under 20 level in the UK because there's a level of, ah, it's, it's okay, we're, we're still in the development phase. So I agree with that with Johnny. They're getting that competitiveness early. They're getting the responsibility, looking after their career early, what I put into my body, how I eat, all that stuff. So when they do go away, they're able to look after themselves. They're not going into a digs. You're in the you're a bit more independent. You can carry yourself a bit better. So that is, that is the positive for the league going yeah. forward. Yeah, and I, I remember interviewing Jim Goodwin, um, who when he was manager at St. Mirren at the time, and this is maybe just over 18 months ago, and he was saying he'd rather sign, you know, players because uh, he always keeps a very close eye on the League of Ireland, but he'd rather have players who have played 100 games at League of Ireland level rather than the lads who've gone through the development pathways and under 23s in England because they're just they're more physically developed and you know playing against men's teams rather than that sort of reserve team football as you're saying where it's uh it's not as highly competitive or it's not played at, at full pelt but we'll talk about Sam Curtis a little bit later on when we talk about um, the SSE or Tristy League but um also uh just to note that uh, a reminder that the, that game against Hungary the hosts for the Ireland under 17s it's Tuesday night seven o'clock live on the RT news channel and RT player and then on Friday, we've also got live SSE or Tristy League action, Bowls against Shells on RT2 and the RT player. And that leads us nicely into the most recent Premier Division results from Friday. Cork City ended a long losing run by beating Sligo Rovers 1-0 and Rory Keaton scoring the winner there. Derry City, top of the table now, 4-1 winners over UCD. Michael Duffy with a brace of goals in that. And then Dundalk were 2-0 up on Bowles, but Bowles came back to snatch a draw and it was 2-all there. And as mentioned earlier, um, Curtis uh, scored the winner from a set piece as Pats uh, won 1-0 at Shelburne, ending a long unbeaten run for Shells. And then probably the shock of the weekend, which was Shamrock Rovers, losing 2-1 at home to Drada United. And Drada United, of course, have were on a in terms of results at least not so much performances they were on a relatively poor run but they've uh, managed to get three points there and pointing in the right direction again but let's start on Derry City um Johnny because their home form was something we put microscope on a while back but they have had a bit of improvement on that front with three wins in their last four at the Brandywell uh, beating Dundalk at UCD and then Pats a few weeks back as well and only the Shamrock Rovers game that James McLean was at that was the only one that was a setback so Derry um, you know bouncing back well now Yeah and look I watched them against Bowles up, 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 up in Daily Mount recently I know Bowles had a player sent off but uh, <laughs> totally managed the game really really good they've been brilliant on the road this year as you say, home form a little bit sketchy, but they're getting that back and, and they're, they're coming into a bit of form. They had a few players that were injured, so they'll be getting players back. Dummigan was come back into the squad, and uh, you know, so McElhenney's going to come back into the squad. So, look, they, they went through a little bit of a patch, but the top of the league, and you know, we expected them to be there with Shamrock Rovers. Uh, you know, with Bowes uh, had a brilliant start of the season, they're just dropping off a little bit now, and uh. I think it's, it's three defeats in a row now for them in a row. and uh, But Derry are, I think, they're only going to get better. They'll improve. There's a few Bobby behind them there at the club. 
and it's just about the recruitment now. I still think they need a centre forward, like what Graham was talking about earlier. They're hard to get. They need to get someone, you know, like like a hold up player that can bring fellas into the game, have a little bit of, bit of strength, bit of physicality, and uh, other than that, all around the pitch, they're 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 well equipped. They've they've a couple of bodies nearly in every position. So yeah, they're going really well at the moment. You know, UCD are always UCD. We're convincing four one. So let's talk about the pitch up there being taken up and put the uh, grass pitch back in. I think that can only enhance them and only help them as well. Yeah, and Shamrock Rovers, Graham. I mean, I did say it was a surprise win for Drada United, but then when you look at the sort of bogey team nature that they have been for Shamrock Rovers uh, in the last six meetings, uh, Rovers have only beaten them once, and that was in the cup after extra time um, last season. I mean, Drada did did weather a good bit of early pressure, but you know. Again, it was a it was a brilliant performance from them on the break, particularly and especially the second goal. I mean, Draper's finish for the first was really good, but the second goal, um, you know, we're talking about a team goal for the Ireland under seventeens going from back to front. Drada's second goal was sort of <laughs> of that ilk. Yeah, again, two different counter attack goals. One, I I actually think it's a good pass from Keeley. I think he hits the grass. He knows that the space there, Rovers defend one in front, one behind from thing, and he just hits it over the first centre back's head. Uh, brilliant then from Draper he just pushes him off and he unsettles her hers on his back foot then he chops inside uh, hits a wonderful strike and then the second one then is a wonderful counter-attack goal but with a lot more passing in it because um, Rovers lose it and then initially they go straight to win it back and they've made a couple of passes and a lot of it was one touch pass and Gary Deegan in the middle of it bounces one out it's a great run I think Heaney is the right back that actually initially gets involved in the build-up play, and then he's the one that puts the cross in. And what a what a cross this is. Like, Jack Bourne hits a similar pass to Danny Mandroyo a few years ago from a similar position. I was right behind it. This is nearly as good as it. It's an unbelievable cross. And for Dale Rooney to take a first touch, uh, he probably takes it just on the edge of the 18, maybe inside the box. And for him not to travel into the goalkeeper when he's running full tilt like that, it's a brilliant touch, but it's out of his feet enough that allows him to get a finish on it. And I tell you what, five minutes later, he nearly thinks the goalkeeper were a very similar one as well. So they were efficient with their with their um, counter-attacks. They get two goals out of it. They probably had about nine shots on goal, five are on target. So they were very efficient to score two goals out of that. Um, Rovers had a lot more shots on, tar- shots on goal, shots on target, but didn't probably... Um, Walk the goalkeeper maybe enough. Um, they're unlucky. Clear one off the line in the first half, but a brilliant performance from Drotta. Defensively to a man, they were really good. Uh, like you said, the, the goals he scored in the counter-attack are, are unbelievable. Yeah, and then also, uh, as we mentioned earlier, Bowes, they've hit you know they've hit the skids a little bit but they're still in a pretty good position but in a way even though again they dropped points when they, they went up to draw the, the nature of it I guess Graham um, from Declan Devine's point of view the fact they came from 2-0 down to to pick up a point I imagine he'll be relatively happy um, disappointed maybe with the run they're on but happy at least that they're showing a level of resilience because the wheels could come off but they aren't quite doing that but th- I think it was probably the, the term you used there was they lacked resilience last year. I think they were the one team that had uh, that had given away the most victories from uh, being ahead in games. I think Bowes were up to the seventy minute mark. They were if the if the games had been finished after seventy minutes, they would have been sitting nearly top of the league. But the games don't. The games last ninety minutes, 
And I think this year they probably flipped that a little bit. He's shown a lot more resilience, a, little, a lot more character uh, to come back from 2-0 down. I don't think this team would have done this last season. So full credit to Declan Devine because he's inst- instilled a bit of um, a little bit of belief in them as well that they have to come back and fight. They were, they were off it in the first half, but they showed a lot more fight and running power in the second half. The goals come from set pieces. I think the goalkeeper's poor. I think Talbot's poor for the first one. And I think Shepard's poor poor for the first one as well for both the goals. Uh, but after that, like you said, they, they found a way to get back into the game. And it wasn't some it wasn't pretty at times. It was effective though. And then um, like Johnny said, that that's sometimes all that counts in football. Yeah, and Pats, uh, Johnny, they got a good 1-0 win um, at Shells, who had been on a really good run. And as we mentioned earlier, it was a set-piece goal that Sam Curtis scored. But, um, you know, John Daly's been doing a good job there. He has them up to fourth uh, at this period where they're, you know, they're waiting to see who the next manager is going to be. What would you like to see happen in the short, medium and then longer term at Pats? I, I think I think John has done really well. He, I think he he's got three wins out of four now, and he was very they were very unlucky against Rovers up in Talent as well. He was at the game, um, he's come in. He's didn't change things around too much. Personnel in different areas. Probably used Jamie Lennon a little bit different. That we fold them yeah. put him back. In the well, Forrest are forward up as well, hasn't he, Johnny? Yeah, he, he has, and you know he wasn't afraid to do that either. Like you know. Like Jamie, Jamie's the engine room one there for him. He, he, he's done really well this season, and he, he's flexible in that sense that he, he can put him at the fullback. And but with with Chris giving Chris that free role, you know, in front of him and young Adam Murphy as well, that you know Chris can drop off and build her up. And sometimes you need them to do that when teams are pressed on. You know, like Chelsea, you know, get pressed three on to try and stop Pat's playing around, trying to make them kick it because they're physically strong and they're good in the air shells and. You know, they go man to man and they get close around people, and it's all 100, 100 miles an hour with them defending and trying to win it back. But, uh, like Forrester, like he was, he was the outstanding player on the pitch. It wasn't a great game, I have to say. And I know we promote the game, but it wasn't Shells putting five at the back. Pats find it really, really difficult to break them down. But Forrester was patient and the, the build up. And again, Shells will be disappointed to concede. They've conceded a lot of goals this season from set pieces. And uh, young Sam Cordes got away. Oh, I think it was Wilson. He got away from at the back post and a good header in at the back post. Keeper couldn't do much about it. But overall, Pats would have been a better would have been the better team. I know Damien was bitterly disappointed afterwards. So I you know, watched his interview and kind of had a bit of a go off the players, and he was wondering where the performance came from. You know, after come, going up the Sligo, win a three-one great win up there or three-nil, and uh, you know he was bitterly disappointed. And uh, I think he had a really pop off the players. He's, he said something like two of his players are coming back from injury and stuff, and that was the most positive thing that he, he had this week or, or that on the night. But it wasn't a good game. It was difficult. It was a hard game. Uh, Pats probably deserved to win it in the end. But to answer your question with Jonathan Daly, I think Pats are leaving there at the end of the season. I think he's, you know, he gets on well with the players. He knows the club. The chairman knows him. You know, the owner knows him. And uh, I think I think you know they they need to get it right. They need to get the, the this one right because a few managers gone the last couple of years, and uh, he might be just the right man. He, he, I, I, Jonathan, on one of the under twenty international teams. He, I think Graham's uh, Graham yeah. alluded to earlier. He's on that age age group. Uh, he's, he's good temperament, and I like his temperament in his interviews and the way he is on the touchline. Uh, so yeah, I think I think Pat's might leave him there 
definitely till the end of the season and see how it goes from there. Yeah, and then Cork City, a huge win for them, considering they were on a run of six defeats in a row, Graham, and Rory Keaton's been the shining light. Mm-hmm. There was there was a, you know, I was looking at a, there was a little graphic that was put posted up on Reddit. I don't know if you peruse that at all. I have, I always have a look at that anyway, but there was a, it was basically a graphic that showed touches in the box to the, you know, this stat of expected goals. And the, there's a, three Rovers player, Shamrock Rovers players who are very high on that. Um, which includes Graham Burke and Rory Gaffney, but uh, not far off them was Rory Keaton as well. And he's really been the, you know, when you look at, say, who's been scoring goals for them or keeping them in games, he has been crucial for them. Yeah, and by the way, Cork City's goal here is is really well worked yeah. too. It, it, they've made a lot of passes here and the, the true ball for Keaton is fantastic and he takes on the move. It's a, it's a really well worked goal. Probably probably getting a little bit overlooked because of Drotter's goals were so good. But um, Cork's goal in terms of that bit, because they, they go through the build-up phase, get into midfield, and then it's two passes in midfield, and then bang straight into the front man. Um, I like him. I, I watched him play a couple of years ago for Galway in the Cup against Rovers, and he hit the post, and I thought he was a live wire. And you know what? He's, go- he's, he's deceptively good in the air, and it's catching a lot of defenders out because they look and think, and he's long-haired, he's not going to jump into you a little bit. Robbie Doyle was a bit like that, where he... He'd have a long, a big long run, and then he'd get up early, and he'd hang there for a while. And as a centre back, when you're underneath that, and, and he's already up there, it's hard to elevate. And he does that really well. Um, but I, I, I look, I'm probably a bit braver than Robbie. <laughs> but uh, he's, um, he, he is, he's a handful. Like, and and he, he, he's been so positive for Cork because he never stops running. He gives them a focal point to play off. And if they give them chances, he will score. I think it's been excellent. Um, it'd be interesting to see what Cork do. I know the chairman's come out and said that Buckley won't have the job. Um, and they're looking to obviously push someone in charge. But who's who's the number one candidate to take it? I don't know. I don't know any of the managers that are at work that, would, that are interested in the job. Maybe Johnny has reunited with Bucco down there. I don't know. But um, you get a new train on top of it. But um, I don't know, Raph. Like that, that'd be interesting to see what Cork do going forward. Yeah, they play Rovers this weekend, don't they? So you know, it's take you know, it after that, Johnny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, look, you know, at least Liam is there. Liam is there, and he, he you know, uh, he he knows the game. He knows that he knows what to do, and they, you know they've done all right, and they didn't concede a goal. And it was a brilliant goal, Graham. I, I I totally agree with you. I looked at it; it's fantastic play. But uh, look. It's like Drada down there, Corker down there, UCD are down there, Sligo were hit and miss as well. Like, yeah, because you know, actually Cork. I wanted to, I wanted to ask, ask you about Sligo, Johnny, because um, they've lost three in a row now without scoring and they're closer to Drada um, in um, tenth than they are in, sorry, in eighth than they are to Shelburne in sixth. I think that the gap to Drada is two points and then Shelburne are five above them. Max Mada, in fairness, has missed the last two games, coincidentally, although he's back in training and, and unfortunately for Sligo, missed um, missed that game um, at Cork. But they have a spate of injuries as well, but they just seem to be a bit out of sorts because before we were talking about their uh, inconsistency, but now it's starting to get consistent, but not in a, you know, in the worst. Uh, in the worst way, um, but yeah. like, what but, what but, do you make of what's going on there? I, I, as I just said, you know they're hit and miss. You know there's like last week, you know <coughs> getting done three 0 by shells at home. That's a, a big loss. Matt definitely lost. He's he's scoring good goals. 
he's, he's a decent player, and uh, if he keeps going the way he's going, they might be able to hang on to him. He's uh, obviously playing the New Zealand international team as well. He's he's involved there. But look, they've 19 points. Strada picked up another three. Strada have a good chance this weekend against UCD to get three points again. I'm not saying that's a, you know that's going to happen, but they've a good chance. And if Sligo don't get results, try to go ahead of them then, you know, and they're down there with Cork and UCD. But uh, they need Not to stay in the next two home games are UCD and Cork. Well, there you go. So, I mean, try to could bounce up. Try to could be up there, and, you know, in, in, in the top five in, in two weeks' time. And, you know, but for Sligo, you know, they, they need to find consistency. And Graham spoke about this earlier on with young players. I mean, you do have young players. I'm not saying they're all young at Sligo. But there, sometimes there is a lack of consistency because they're young. But to stay in this league, you need to be consistent. You know, and it can't be like four wins or four draws and then four defeats. You've got to be picking up points along the way. You've got to be staying in the game. You've got to be staying in the race. And, uh, you know, they're not going in the right direction at the moment. And they don't want to find themselves down there with you know with, with Cork and UCD and, and draw the scrap for points because they're not used to doing that where the likes of Finn Harps were over the last few years and, and UCD are well used to doing it. But you know, they need to they need to get a hold of this and get a couple of wins together and get back on the horse and and, and uh, try and get it stay in that top six in the league. Yeah. I, I watched them play against Rovers in Tallaght and I thought they were excellent. I thought they were really, really good. They lost two one, they lacked quality in the final third. And I know they, they scored through Matte, but the final pass or the final end product just wasn't there. Uh, and then they cough up two goals. And I don't know if they come away from the game thinking, we're the good side. And and what makes you a good side is like that, Johnny said, consistency, your efforts to make you a good side. How are you, If your front players aren't contributing up the top end of the pitch, they need to come back in and help your midfield and your back four. They need to do it in any way, if, even if they are contributing, because they're not at a stage of carrying anyone. No team, no, no team in this league can carry anyone the way the league's going. Like Dirty can't carry anyone because they're competing against Rovers. Rovers are the same. Jack Bourne has worked really hard this year. Sometimes, yeah, he walks. Sometimes, so does Patching. But a lot of the time, that's why Dunnigan is so important for 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 Derry, and it's why Gary O'Neill is so important for Rovers because they cover every now and then. But but Sligo aren't aren't the Derry or the Rovers where you can afford to have people walking around the pitch. You all need to get back and dig in for each other. And when I watched them play against, I thought they were excellent against Rovers, but they've gone on a terrible run since then. Like, and I don't know if they thought, I know we're okay, we're we, we're on a we're on the front foot, we're we're coming. You need to, if you're gonna have that, you need to make sure you have a bit of substance behind it. And at the Graham, moment, you're right, Graham, and, and what you're saying. And I'm only going through experience. You spoke about Sam Curtis there the other. He would have been given an earful not only off the off the manager. You know, against Ferrugia in the Rovers match where he lost the ball on the back line, tried to, yeah. you know, learning from that. But sometimes, and I don't know what's going on at Sligo or at Cork or UCD, but sometimes, you know, I, I think sometimes there's a lack of, you know, responsibility. The standards, the best teams have the standards from within. Sometimes it doesn't even come from the manager or the coaches. Yeah. The standards set with the players on the pitch. And you don't let things happen. And they, they, they point the finger and they say, Graham, that's not good enough. Don't let that happen again. But if somebody keeps telling you, it's all right, don't worry about it, it was a mistake, you kind of go, that doesn't matter. Like yeah. It can't be like that. There has to be that collective responsibility of, I'm going to be the best player on the pitch today. And whoever is marking me or I'm marking, they better be really good because I'm going to be 100%. And that's all you ask for. 
But, <laughs> but I just want to repeat it like that. Yeah. You can't keep consistently saying to a fella, it's okay, it's all right. Because he'll believe it's all right. Yeah. And he'll say, no, it doesn't matter, made him There's actually no, a psychological, not. there's a psychological term for it now. It's called like sports trauma. That you have to go through it to a certain point to build your resilience up so that you can handle it when it becomes like, you know, in the, in the vital moments in games. So it's again, speaking about young players, we talk about, you have to go through a level of trauma to go, listen, that's not acceptable today. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're talking about somebody's well-being and ten, yeah. you know, having a right go. There has no, no. professional sport. There's standards. There's responsibility. You have to be at your best. The consistency yeah. has to be there. It's high performance. There's no room for it. And if everyone's at a high performance level, you have a brilliant chance of winning because that's what it's all about is winning. Developing the players, bringing them through, yes. But when you're in a, a competitive league, it's about winning. It's about getting to Europe. It's about the money in Europe and all that. And I'm sorry, but that's the way it is in pro- professional sport. People just say, yeah, nice tracksuit, the whole lot. You know, it's not. It's a horrible business. Any professional sport is horrible because if you're not at it, you're moved on. You're moved on because there's money involved. But it's brilliant as well. But as I said, people need to be told that ain't good enough. That's not your standard. You're better than that and you can do better than that. And it's not having a go or bullying someone. It's not. It's just telling them as it is. And it's consistently happening. Sometimes people just get moved on. Yeah. And uh, if we just turn to the first division, uh, what was consistent here was a good night for the away sides. And Waterford won 4-0 at Finn Harps. Cove Ramblers and Athlone Town drew 2-2. And then Bray Wanderers won 2-0 at Kerry. Uh, and uh, then Galway United still flying at the top. Uh, 3-0 winners at 3D United. And then Longford Town um, seem to be you know, picking up points again at the moment, 3 nil winners at Wexford and uh, what it does to the table, Galway, 10 points clear of Waterford and then uh, towards the bottom, of course, Kerry are nine adrift of Finn Harps who are second bottom just behind Wexford, Longford Town have gone above, above them, Treaty United just above them and then the uh, third to fifth is Bray, Cove and Athlone and then the women's Premier, Premier Division um, Bohemians beat Athlone 3-2 so Bows are going really well at the moment Shamrock Rovers 4-3 winners against DLR Waves P-Mount uh, 2-0 winners over what has been a really good Galway United side Sive Doyle scoring twice in that game and then Shelburne 6-0 winners at Sligo and then Wexford and Treaty drew 2-2 and Shells and P-Mount meet next week but also to note, there is a new competition coming in for the summer months, the Avenir Sports All-Ireland Cup and the groups were drawn last week. Group A, Athlone Town, Galway United, Linfield and Shelburne. Group B, Glenthorne, P-Mount P- United, Shamrock Rovers and Wexford Youths. Uh, group C, Bohemians, Cliftonville, Derry City and Sligo Rovers. And then Group D, Cork City, Crusaders, DLR Waves and Treaty United. But before we go, let's talk a bit about what's happening in the Champions League and Premier League. And of course, Manchester City are on the cusp of a treble now. And uh, that's after crashing Real Madrid. Now, them beating Real Madrid maybe isn't the surprise, but it was the nature of it. And um, I mean, Graham, you look at the system, with it doesn't have any wing backs and centre backs like John Stone's playing slightly further ahead. And it's the way they press is the one thing. I mean, how they suffocated Real Madrid it reminded me a few weeks earlier the what they did to Arsenal, where Arsenal just couldn't get out. And it's, you know, you talk about City going forward, but it's that press and <clears> the, um, you know, the structure that they have is what kind of sets them apart. Yeah, and then you have pace at the back that allows them to press like that. So if you, if you, if 
they're able, they're comfortable to go one v one at the back at times and and give up the far side of the pitch and then say right, well, if the press isn't right and they work it out that side, the, the they fix the press at the top end. And um, we spoke about earlier about having top players willing to work for the team and press for the team and know that again the sum of the parts is greater than any work they can do as an individual. Uh, their end goal is to win the Champions League and they're going to do whatever it takes to do that. You can see that in the performance. There's a hungerness, there's a hunger to them and an eagerness and an enthusiasm and a ruthlessness to get there, like, you know, that they make sure that they're not going to let teams dictate how they're going to play against them. They're going to enforce their way and their will. And uh, it's weird, like, because in the Champions League, the performance is scary. And then obviously all the stuff comes out about the, the fair play and all that stuff. And they won they won the league this year. I, I always thought they would. Um, but there's a real apathy towards it. It's like they won the league and oh, it hasn't really been the biggest story of the weekend type of thing. If they've got the trophy. There's not a lot made of it. No romance to it, type of thing. Um, yeah, I, it feels like everything Man City do at the moment, from a like a public a club side, is a little bit contrived, a little bit trying to make them like look good instead of actually there's a genuine affection there from the club. I think they've lost a little bit of that main road spirit that he had from years ago. That you know the underdogs in Manchester and everybody cheered them on and wanted them to be. Obviously, the the great Man United sides, but yeah, I, it's I don't know. I think the romance of the the game has taken a little bit of a hit with them just being so dominant. Like you know, take none away from the team, yeah. but as a club, like. Well, funny you say that, Graham. I, I, I watched them the the Manchester and the, the you know the celebrations, and I, I was amazed how quick the stadium emptied out. Yeah, you know, I was saying, look, look at the stadium; it's empty. You contrast that to Notts Forest staying up and the place is bouncing and hopping and there's a feeling for the ground. You contrast that with Naples, the city was dancing oh, for two days. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So, but but I, I, we can't take away from the, the football. The absolutely, I think you've, you know the, the the two separate parts. What's going on as 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 the club, but as players and what Pep has done. The physicality he's brought to the team as well. You know, we spoke about when he when he initially came in and he loved the players, ticky tacky. He still has them, you know, and Silva and, and fellas like that. But he has a physicality to them now. There's pace, as you said. That, you know, we, we all over the pitch they, they they have everything. But you know that that mentality we talk about. They smother teams. They absolutely. We spoke about Real Madrid. I, you know, I said they'd steamroll them. I think they, you could steamroll them, and they played them off the pitch. They were fantastic. I thought in the Etihad, but uh, look, I, I, I think Inter are there a merit. I wouldn't be taking the eye off Inter for a minute. I know the two games are completely different. The AC Milan game and Inter game. You know, the the, the quality didn't look as good, but on the day, you know. It's it, they got to be at their best, and Pep will know that because an Italian team they've come and try and hold out and go on the counter attack. And uh, but I, I think they'll do it, but they've also got the match against United at Wembley in the FA Cup as well. So I think over two what, legs, what I, it's a different game. Like, I think over two legs, yeah. they comfortably be in there, I think, because it's a one off game. And, if, and it's if, a free if, hit. It's, it's an a element of chance. Yeah, it's a free hit for Inter because nobody yeah. expects them to do it as well. I think. It's still, I agree with Johnny. I yeah. still think it's Man City's, but 
I think the fact it's a one-off game might be that case. But yeah, I don't know. I just I just everything there's a real lack of interest in it. But take nothing away from the players because it's their work and their qualities that have got them here. But I don't know. Just there's a lack of a. Uh, I know romance. Really? Do you say romance mm-hmm. is dead, huh, Johnny? Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> but as I said to you, look, I, 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 I really enjoyed Forrest the other night, you know, the, the, yeah. with the celebration. Steve Kerr, a brilliant job at Forrest, you know, people writing them off. And to see the place, the stadium, and that's what's about grave, that romance, yeah. as you said, and that passion, and it's their club and their team. No one left the ground. The players are dancing on the pitch, and you're going, brilliant. This is a, whatever, a, a whole year. Yeah, and it's it was brilliant, and I I don't think I'm not saying Manchester City don't have, but they don't. They're, they're, you know, as I said, I I was amazed how quickly the stadium emptied out. I really was. It was a was a kind of as you said, oh, it's just another league. We won another league. What a, you know, you can only win it once. You know, every year. And but the, you know, we should cherish this because it might not always be like that. Yeah, you know, look at look at. I don't mean the demise of Liverpool, but Liverpool have dropped off a little bit as well. Spores have dropped off, and uh, so you, you cherish them moments every every time they come along. But will they do the travel? I think they 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 will. Will Pep stay? I don't know. That's a question that's going around. Will he stay? He's done everything there. His job to go in and win the Champions League was the for I think the priority. The, the the league was obviously you know they knew they could do that, but if they do the travel this year. I don't know, will he stay around? Has he done it all at Man City? Yeah, and just a note in regards to Manchester City, the club have been charged by the Premier League with 115 alleged breaches of financial rules between 2009 and 2018. An independent commission will rule on the charges, which could see City dock points or even expelled from the Premier League if proven. But you mentioned Liverpool earlier there, Johnny, and there were some quotes from Jurgen Klopp about Quibin Kelleher, and he was saying, you know, I can't see him leaving. It would have to be an extraordinary offer for me to even start thinking about it. But uh, from an Irish point of view, you know, you know, we've Gavin Bazunu who's actually been dropped at Southampton in the run-in, um, not getting games, albeit you'd expect when he's in the championship next season, he will get that game time back. But Cuevin Keller, you know, as good as he's been in games that he's played, it's very sparse in terms of how many games he's been playing. And for his overall development, from a selfish point of view, there's there's got to be a decision made soon. You gotta step up to it. Like, I mean, you, you, there's fellas in Graham tell you this, there's fellas around England and all over that are reserve keepers all their career and they, they, they've no pressure on them. They come in and play a couple of matches a season and Cuevin has played in the League Cup and, and stuff like that. And he's, he, you know, initially when he played a few matches, letting goals in, but he needs to go and play on a regular basis. Stephen Kenny says this all the time about players. The players need to be playing first-team football, whether it's in the Championship, Premier League or whatever it might be, but they need to be playing competitive first-team football. And I think, I think it's for himself he needs to go and play and, and be the first choice keeper somewhere. Yeah, and I suppose last and certainly not but not least, but uh, Evan Ferguson, who we've talked about a lot on this podcast, Graham. I mean, he's up to six goals now in the Premier League after scoring twice for Brighton yesterday against Southampton. And what he what those goals did in the 3-1 win was it also booked Brighton's place in European competition for the first time in their history for next season. And then you look at the stats for him, 10 goals in all competitions, but only Robbie Keane scored more and in 12 in his case before the age of 20 among Irish players. Um, you know, there's it's you know, 
in his case, certainly it's not a flash in the pan. Every every few weeks, you know, there's just more uh, points being proven that, you know, he is the real deal and he's uh, he's developing really nicely. Yeah, he is. He's coming along great. Both goals are different. Uh, one, his first one's just power. You can see as soon as he collects it there, his first thought is, I'm going to hit this as hard as I can. The power does the goalkeeper. Um, goes through the defender's legs. And the second one is just good movement. He's just he knows that the ball's gonna come in, he just holds his position at the back post and it's actually a precise finish rather than with power his side foots and like but yeah, he's hitting all the markers like, you know, in business it'd be KPIs, but he's hitting them like he's 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 going through them as they go. But the six goals he scored are important goals, um, because it's got his team into Europe and and that that's um really important for him because that he's contributing to his team and then he's again that feeds into the team spirit that you create within that you know his teammates will appreciate him because he scores goals that count and um again we've got sometimes i think people are going over the top of him <laughs> i see as johnny ward was cut, cut, said he was as good as Haaland. i was like listen relax johnny look you know uh but um like just he's 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 gonna develop at his own rate and 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 that's gonna be good enough for us as a country, like you know, and we just need to, you know, relax and be patient with him and know that he has the attitude. That's the biggest thing that's we always speak about Evan and Johnny would know his father well and I played with his dad. It's not his attitude or his desire or his hunger to play football that's gonna hold him back. So just be patient with the other stuff and let the skill set build as 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 he develops through the league. Yeah, and then I suppose a final point. Um, I, I know we spoke about it a few weeks ago, but obviously Brighton are the right club to be at at the moment in terms of, you know, style. He has the you know style of play, the the trust they they give to youngsters, and he's got a five year deal now, which gives both parties, club and player. A lot of uh, a lot of control and a lot of stability, but also yeah. the one thing to note, and just because I, I mentioned Southampton there earlier, Southampton were sort of that club about five or six years ago. They were the they were really stable. There's changes of ownership that changes now. We've seen they're they're getting relegated. So there's always a little bit of a warning sign though, because Brighton everything's rosy for Brighton right now. But who knows, you know, two or three years down the line, what that's going to be like. Well, don't don't let the five don't let the five year contract fail you, Ralph. Because if this if this if this oh no no I'm not I'm not saying he's down, I'm not saying he's definitely going to be there for five years, but just in yeah. terms of like where these clubs sometimes where they appear really stable at a certain point, it's hard to you know football obviously, and you know this better than than I would, but things change can change quite quickly. And 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 it can if they lose a few players and you know, <laughs> but. Europe will be a good marker for them as well. Getting into Europe will be good for them. It'll be good for the club, good for the fans, good for the profile of the players. But, uh, you know, for Evan, Graham has summed them up perfectly there. But, you know, uh, he just let him at it. Just let him off. Let him play. You know, work on whatever he needs to work on. But he, he has the potential to be a top top player, really. And I, I would just let him off. I, I There's no pressure on him. Let him at it. And, you know, I think if he'd have scored a hat trick yesterday, I think only Robbie Fowler and Michael Owen would have been younger than him uh, scoring hat tricks in the in the Premier League. Yeah, best yeah, of luck to him. He's, he's yeah. a great attitude, as Graham said. Brilliant attitude. Yeah, no, certainly, definitely. Uh, 
huge potential there but uh anyway that brings us to an end for this week's podcast so of course the ireland under 17 is playing hungary tuesday um as in tomorrow at seven o'clock kickoff rt news channel and also the rt player and then on friday we've got bows against shells as well um and that is kicking off at seven forty-five. but uh johnny mcdonald and graham gartland thanks to mill for coming on this week pleasure raf i'm going out to dig Cheers out off. an old china top here for the next episode See what I can there you go, Graham. Up the Ferros. <laughs> Up the Ferros. <laughs> <laughs>